Hey, welcome to the Everyday Sniper. You got Frank from Sniper's Hide here. Welcome to 2020. It's the new year, first podcast of the year. Uh, Had a little time off between the holidays. Nice quiet holidays, getting caught up. Did a ton of work. Uh, Talk about some stuff that I got going on. Basically, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, I'm rearranging everything here in the office. I got to get a dang roll off and clean the place up is what I really got to do. But um, really, uh, I was redoing everything, and then my Mac Pro died, as I mentioned. It was not acting right again. It was doing that same thing, not turning my monitor on. You can hear it's like running in the background, but I had no picture in the monitor, and you have to restart it to get the monitor to fire up through it. So I ended up trading it in while I still had some value to that. This is a 2013 Mac Pro trash can. So I, I ended up getting a decent trade in, though. So I grabbed the Mac Mini. Um, I bought the Ma- the iMac Pro months ago when it died the first time and I lost it because I needed the horsepower to do the video. I mean, editing 4K video, you need to have some horsepower um, for sure. And, you know, so I grabbed that iMac Pro and all that. And, you know, it was weird because I got a refurbished one, saved a 1000 bucks on it. And um, it, usually I bought a lot of refurbished from Apple before in their clearance refurbish area. And, and it acted weird. It didn't act normal at first, but now it's been running better and everything's good. So I get this Mac Mini, and I and because of the trade-in on the Mac Pro, I ended up, you know, getting a maxed-out Mac Mini because I already had the eGPU breakout box and uh, the monitor and things like that, keyboard, mouse, monitor, all that stuff, desktop stuff. So, uh, you know, the Mac Mini ended up costing me maxed-out 1000 bucks with the trade-in. So that's cool. I plug everything in. I get it. They shipped it actually really quick. It wasn't supposed to show up until tomorrow. Uh, actually, two days from now, the 8th. And it came last week. So that was awesome. Uh, it came really fast. Plugged it all in. Got it all fired up. And this is the first podcast and doing everything with it. And, and you know, realigning the whole office to kind of run better and to clear my head. I, I look at the computer as clutter, Right. So I wanted to clear my head and get that all going good and, and doing the things that I have to do. I have to say, this Mini is actually really good. I did a little test just to, you know, I restart everything, reload the software in, redo that, make sure it's all nice and fresh, um, you know. And then I, I ran some tests kind of adding software in. I have plugins stuff that I use for, um, you know, Final Cut and things like that for editing video. So then what do I do? I, I, try, I said, let me just put some of the video on there and, and just do a test little thing to see. This mini runs really good. I was actually surprised at how well it went, and it, and it was a good deal for me to kind of clean up. Then I went in and had to un, you know, deauthorize everything, so I unauthorized all my computers and then started over because I had like some extra ones in there, older ones, that just didn't come out. But uh, hats off to the trade-in programs they got going on now. Um, you know, 1500 bucks for a seven-year-old computer. That's not a bad deal, man. Got my monies out of it. So now let's get on to guns, man. So on the forum, getting that stuff ready, I was trying to do, I wanted to start the new year with like a new look, some new stuff that's going on, new forum, things like, you know, not new forum, but new, new kind of elements to it. And it, it just didn't happen. The, the people that I want to do it uh, who have what I'm looking for and have been working on the site didn't have the availability. 
So they're kind of like making me pull teeth to give them some money and to do some work. So that's weird. But anyway, um, new year, new way to look at things. And to start right off, I'm going to bring your attention to an article I wrote for the beginning of the year. I'm going to try to do a little bit more um, sort of hard copy articles, videos, things like that. I got to do a better job this year than I did last year with putting out content. I, I spread myself pretty thin, but I, I with this kind of redoing the computers and getting myself a little bit more lined up, I'm putting in place processes to work remotely better, to, to have things more at my fingertips, like one of the examples. And this is just your, your the reason I'm kind of spilling this all, and it'll come clear in a second, is uh, that... You know, I'm putting these processes in order so that when I travel around, I can always have what I'm working on with me. You know, it's the thing of, I got one computer here, you take a laptop over there, you go do this over there. So part of my process was to streamline everything so that the the, the cloud services and things like that are, are more at your fingertips. And the first thing that I did for 2020 was handle your dope and talking about, you know, how do you access your dope? Because it seems like with the reliance on software, it's like, hey, we got to shoot that target. Hold on. Let me get my phone. You know, hey, we got to do that. Hold on. Let me fire up my app. Hey, let me get that. Hold on. I got to get the, you know, it's like without that phone in our hand, we, you know, people are kind of shortcutting the steps that we used to do, data books, dope, and all these things. Because, you know, what's the process today? Well, going to buy a precision rifle. That's the thought. Hey, man, I'm going to buy a precision rifle. So I'm going to go in, I'm going to look around the internet, I'm going to do a Google search, and I'm going to find... What rifle do I want? Do I want a Bagara, the B-14? Do I want a Ruger RPR? I should be getting an Ashbury APO Sniper's Hide Edition for $19.50. These things are rock starring it. And with the Peterson ammo, it's working out really good. Uh, Prime, Peterson, all that stuff, uh, you know, it, it, they're just tack driving with these, these rifles. So I think about it. I'm going to do some homework. I'm going to research what rifle I'm going to get. And then I got to go buy scopes and bipods and accessories. I got to buy all this stuff because I'm going to shoot long range, right? Down the street, I got a 600-yard range. All good. Everything's money. So they're deciding, all right, I'm going to get a Ruger RPR. No, I'm going to get the Ashbury. No, I'm going to get an APO, Sniper's Hide Edition. And then when I see low light at a class... I'll have them sign it for me. I've signed like three rifles so far. And and so they go out and they get their Ashbury, their APO rifle. They get 6.5 Creed. Everything's there. They get a, a, a scope. They put something they can afford on there. They got a $1,000 scope. Everything's good. So now they're going to order everything up. And let's say it's a two-week wait for their products to come in. In that two weeks, what's the next thing they're going to do? They're going to download software. They're going to go to their phone. They're going to do ballistic calculator. They're going to start downloading software, and they're going to play. They're going to play on the phone with their software. Right? So now they got this stuff going on, and they start crunching hypothetical imaginary numbers. 
And they're, you know, maybe they got some means. Maybe, you know, they saved all the money on the APO rifle. So now they're downloading two pieces of software. They got AB and they got Traceol, right? So they want to compare AB to Traceol. So they take their hypothetical numbers, they put it into the software, and they don't match. It's like one says one number, one says the other. And it might even be two-tenths off. Let's just say, you know, their 600-yard dope is saying 3.2 or 3.0. And it's like, ooh, wait a minute. One says 3.2, the other says 3.0. You know, granted, they're shooting a full-size Zipsic at 600 yards. That's a 24-inch target. Add the head, you got 30. And they're like, oh, man, what do I do? 3 or 3.2? So they come on, they start talking about this. Well, then... People say, well, try this, try that, try this, try that. So they'll shoot the 600-yard target, and they realize they need 3.2 mils. And now they say, okay, AB said 3.2, Traceal said 3.0, 3.2 hit where I wanted it to, I'm using AB. So now anytime they go to do a number, they default right to their phone. And they look it up, and they say, okay, got to shoot this next target. What is it? And then if they're going around and they're talking to their friends, they're out at the bar, they're having a drink, the wives are over there, the guys are over here, hey, I got a new Ashbury rifle, you know, I got this, I got that, low light signed it, I got my software, I downloaded this one and downloaded that one, oh, check them out, they're so cool, this one worked better, so I used this one, and, and it's like, Cool, and they're crunching numbers. Well, if I want to shoot a 1,200-yard target, I just do this, and there's my dope. They don't have any clue how they got there. They don't look at any of this. They basically are, are, are playing this computer, rifle, rifle, computer, target, computer. Rifle, target, computer. Computer, target, rifle, target. Great, so they're playing that game. But they're really not looking, paying attention to anything that's happening. It's really just cause and effect. I pressed the trigger. I dialed in this software. I hit the target where I wanted to. Right? Cause and effect, all good. Then they go to something else. And it's like, okay, well, I was home and I hit that target. Now I'm here. I want to hit this target. Where's my phone? My phone's going to tell me. Well, in the Handle Your Dope 2020 article, I kind of go over how to gather that dope manually. Your phone should be kind of in your pocket, in your car, away from the firing line until you've doped the rifle out, right? We've talked about this a million times, like until we're blue in the face. And so then you, you, you're, you're going to want to go and then write all that down. You need a notebook, a data book. I mean, I would do an impact data book and have that. That's your shooter's Bible, Right. Better record keeping, better record keeping means better results. It's kind of like find it with your eye, kill it with the scope. You know, all these little truisms that are out there. We got truisms everywhere, truisms, right? So you go and you should be writing this stuff down. Now you got a couple of choices. You can buy a dope sticker and slap it on your stock, or you can buy one of those dope holders that go on a sling. You could buy the whiteboard cards and the things, the, the e-dope and the electronics to mount this information on your rifle. Now, granted, you could put your entire dope, if it's small, hard to read, you never know to fit, you know, one through a thousand kind of thing, but people do it. 
And you could put that on the rifle and have it right there mounted on the rifle. It's accessible. Hey, I got to shoot this target. There's my reference right on the rifle, on the side, by the scope. I see it, dial it, shoot it. I'm good. Okay, cool. You got hard copy reference. You don't have to go turn on the phone, open the app, get to the page and read the data or input a yard line and then read the data. You just go look at your chart, 600 yards, 3.2 and a story. Dial it, dope it, hit it, right? So then you can go and you can put that information and you only want true statements in your data book. You don't want try dope in there. You don't want guesses. You only want your true statements, okay? So how do you manage and handle your dope? I would submit to you guys, and Mike brought this up, that the risk commanders are probably one of the best things. I mean, it's pretty easy. It doesn't get in the way. It's cheap. It's simple. You go to the range. You open up your rifle case. In there should be a risk commander. You can make one for that rifle. You can have a bunch of them. They're, go to Sports Authority. You can get a, a cutter a risk commander real cheap, right? You put it on. Boom. You always have access to your dope. You never have to hunt for it. Then it's backed up in your data book. Right. One of the reasons I did the data book pages for impact data books with Tony G there on the ballistic backups, your phone, you change systems. I'm not Android guy today. Tomorrow I'm an iPhone guy. The next day I'm an Android guy. You back and forth. You lose data. You get this. You get that. Have a hard copy backup. OK, that's number one for 2020. Read the article, handling your dope on the homepage of Sniper's Hide in the forum. Share it around Facebook. Go check that out. But then today, this weekend, not today too, but this weekend, I'm thinking about 100 yards. I'm thinking about classes. I'm thinking about starting up and how I manage the 100-yard drill work that we have to do. Okay, we got, we got two areas, three technically, I guess, three areas that I work at people with 100 yards. Got the fundamental eval. Now, don't get me wrong. I could do a fundamental eval at any range. I don't have to do it at 100, but we, we kind of want to have that look on paper. Now, I'm talking about this in the context of a class. 10, 15 people, more or less, all on a line. You got to run them assembly line. You don't want to be waiting. And if you're shooter 15, you don't want to wait an hour. You know what I mean? We got to move people cer- 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 at a certain speed. Then... You got the zeroing. We got to zero your rifle. People show up with no zeros. People show up with their zeros off. People show up with their turrets not reset. People switch ammo. They, you know, we're, we're then working on fundamentals for each other. So let's let's look at this process. You, st- you got your fundamental eval. Then you go to class and I teach the, the, the definitions, the fundamentals, demonstrate, do all that stuff in the classroom setting, right? So I'm in the classroom setting with you all for a couple hours. Then we're going to go out to the range. And now we're going to change how you fundamentally shoot. We may be moving your body position. We may be moving your scope back. We may be doing, because, you know, guys that are sideways, they're choked up on their stock and their scope is closer, right? You know, it'd actually be farther. If they get straight behind the rifle, they got to back it up a little bit and bring it to them. When you're off on an angle, you're coming in closer to to that scope, right? When you're straight, you're going to push it farther out. So we got to bring it back, get edge to edge clarity. So we tear down the shooter. 
and we're building them back up correctly. We're, we're, we're resetting everything, new foundation, new fundamentals, all those different things. So that's, you know, that's step one. And we haven't even gone live yet, okay? Because now we got to get you in. We got to dry fire you. We got to look at your comfort level. And this is going to change over time. Think about your car, right? You move the seat of your car, the mirrors, everything like that. Well, as we sit our butts in the seats and we drive to work every day, the seats is going to settle eventually, right? They're not going to sit you up really high. You're going to start settling in, getting comfy. Maybe you kind of got it set one way and a month later you change it a little bit. You tweak it, right? So you're changing zeros just a little tiny bit. So we got to rearrange you and get that working. So that's first, dry practice, hunter, get you up, move things around, retighten everything down. Now we got to shoot a group and zero people. It's here that kind of, you know, looking back over the year, I'm replaying all these classes in my head. I'm replaying every step of every student. And, and I'm looking at it in batches as well. Okay, over here, you know, there's a third of the students in my mind that don't understand how to zero their rifle, but don't say anything either. Okay, we zero them and we get them where they are, but they really are just fumbling through it. You can almost see, you could tell them, believe the bullet, shoot a group, move it over, slide it up, slide it over, whatever you have to do, measure it, right? You got a calibrated ruler three inches from your nose. You don't need a grid. You don't need a tape measure. You don't need any of this stuff. I put a target out there at hundred yards. I shoot a group and then I'm going to measure with the reticle. I'm going to make that what I see, what I get adjustment, and I'm going to shoot a group again. I should be closer. And when I do it, I shoot like, and for me, I shoot a group, but I shoot three rounds when I'm zeroing. I'll shoot three rounds, get a group, move it over, move it in, get a group, fine tune it. And then I'll do my five shot zeros, my five shot groups, right? Now I got to look at accuracy. Now I got to look at how the rifle's doing. New rifle, new scope, new stuff, right? You got all brand new crap. We're talking about that same guy. So I'm going to go in zero. I may not waste a lot of ammo, but I'm still practicing my fundamentals. I'm still working and I'm, I'm admin, right? I'm zeroing. I'm doing it slow, deliberate, making sure everything's right. And, and, and I got everything down perfect, just what we talked about in the class. So now I make the adjustment and I go over and, and we're on. And the goal really should be, right, to be inside that one inch shoot and see. One inch is pretty standard one inch dot. So I'm looking at this now and I'm creating a target because I generally use a three inch shoot and sees. I dig a three inch shoot and see. Three inch shoot and see can give me from 100 to 300 yards if I want to, but it's it's a little pricey. It, it, it's got to travel around. You got to reorder, but they're easy. You could just keep slapping up on top of each other. There could be five shoot and sees stacked up and you never even pay any attention to it. You just slap a new one on top of it and it's good but it's a big aiming area. And I'm looking at this now. I'm going to get wonky and weird, okay? I'm looking at circles versus squares versus diamonds, okay? So I'm building a target here because I what I want to be able to do is I want to get you in that basic zero, but once I got you touching that one-inch black, I now need to fine-tune you. I now need to group you. I now need to start doing things different. Right. Once we're zeroed, once your turrets have been reset, your scopes tightened down, everything's good. We're zero zero on the optic, and oh, 
Hang on. My thing is freaking ringing. Um, you know, I, I'm in the middle of a podcast and my phone's ringing again. Typical, right? Um, so I'm zero, zero on my scope. Everything's good. So now it becomes fundamental stuff. Now it becomes lessons. We're, we're no longer learning how to zero. We're working on a zero. Once that's established, we really should be doing some other stuff. Okay. Well, the, the thing is, it's like, how much real estate do I take up? Do I want to keep doing shoot and sees? Because if I think about it, a shooting C or a single target like that, that's one group, right? So if I have a three-inch shooting C down there and you're sinking them into where we need it to be, everything's good. You're really only going to use it once though, right? You're going to shoot a five-round group per every shooting C. To me, that's not efficient. That's not effective. So I'm, I'm looking at this and it's like I'm going, well, how do I build a, a, a four group target that takes up the exact same amount of real estate, right? So I need roughly a three inch square space. It's actually like three and a half inches. And then I can put four targets on it that are three quarters of an inch, a little smaller. And I need fine aiming points. I need to zero this up. So I'm thinking about my hundred yard zero to this nth degree, and I'm like, okay, well, what's easier? Would a circle be easier? I like quartering the targets. I like the, 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 the mindset and the talk of a circle. But there's times when guys like squares because they'll go on that edge, right? You have that right, left, bottom, top edge, and your reticle can fit in there, and then you can kind of be right in the tip, that point of, this, of the square, okay? So I'm thinking about that. All right, so... One of the things I like about shooting C's is that quarter-inch orange dot in there. I really, really focus on that little bitty dot. So if I take a three-quarter-inch black dot or a three-quarter-inch black square and I put a one-quarter-inch center in it for aiming for to quarter it up and to, and to hold on that quarter center, okay, well, I got that. So I could either do straight black with a shooting, you know, with a square and use a corner I can fine tune it better, right? Point of aim, point of impact. So I'm looking at these. What's your thoughts, man? What do you guys out there think? Circles, squares, or diamonds? Diamonds are nice because it gives you the four points. You can intersect those four points with your reticle. And when you tell somebody, quarter the target, that might not be a bad thing. So if I have a diamond, what if the diamond was made... So each point was 0.2 from center, okay? Then you're lining up your 0.2 hash mark all the way around your floating dot if you have 0.2 close to the center. You know, the floating dot can go in the center of the quarter-inch dot. You know you're good if your floating dot's inside there, which it will be. And it'll help you see it on the black-on-black black is what I was thinking. So I'm going to get into contrast in a minute. So, yeah, you could put that floating dot, but if it's a solid black circle... Well, then you start to kind of lose that stuff. For me, I'll, I'll turn my reticle on quite a bit. You know what I mean? Pop the reticle on. So then I go, I do that, and I'm thinking about this. So diamonds. Do you do a point two, you know, around diamonds? So that way there, you, you can, it, it establishes what a quarter looks like, quartering the target when I talk about breaking the target into four equal parts centered up in the middle. 
Now, squares go against that because people hold the points and the edges. Diamonds kind of gives you that same thing but puts you in the middle. Circles don't give you any of that, but you have to cut it into four equal parts like a pie or have that quarter-inch dot in the middle that you can hone in on and aim on, right? Aim small, miss small. So I want to take that aim small, miss small mindset to the next level, okay? So that's that's where my head's at with the 100-yard zero. I mean, we talk about all the time with your modern rifles, modern scopes, what we're doing today, you want a 100-yard zero, okay? Even with ELR guns in some of them, if you're 338 and down, you should be a 100-yard zero, okay? I mean, it, everything's up from there. You could still shoot a mile from 100 yards with most of our optics. If you invested the right money in your rifle and the right money in your optic, from 100 yards zero, you're going to hit a mile with a 338, 300, wind mag, things like that, Okay. So now, let's go and in, 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 in look at this another way. If you have a scope and a system put together and you don't zero at 100, you zero at 2 or 3, but you can still dial to 100, understand this, you gain nothing. You don't get anything more out of your system by having a zero at a different yard line. The only time that is of benefit or works if you can't dial down, like in an ELR situation, got a 60-minute base on your rifle, okay? You got rings and scopes and this in 60 minutes and you want to shoot out to 2,500 yards. Okay, well, you're not going to be able to dial down to 100. Too much too much of that angle, right? The, 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 the barrel and the scope are just too far apart from each other that way. So then you're going to have like a 300-yard zero because that's the closest yard line you can dial down to. Then it works. But if you can dial 100 and you zero at three, you didn't gain that little bit. You got nothing out of your system. Your scope still dials the exact same way. Your zero now is just a factor of uh, atmospherics and wind. You know what I mean? So the 100-yard zero is definitely where we want to be. So go on there. Go into Sniper's Hide. What's your thoughts? How do you? How would you like to see a drill, the targets? And, and now think about this too, man. And this is the thing is that 15 people on a firing line, people shoot the wrong target all the time. That people don't shoot is good. Like, so, Say you get a guy who's like a minute and a half shooter. Well, how much space is between all these targets to shoot multiple dots and multiple targets? I have certain targets that have like 100 dots on them, like 101-inch dots. I think there's like 10 dots across and, you know, X number down or whatever the number is. But it's like a metric ton of dots. And I can make each line going down one per for each shooter. But then the boards get messy and beat up because I'm, I'm on an 18 by 36-inch piece of paper and it has a hundred dots on it and 15 people are shooting five rounds each into this paper at a time shotgun so that's why i'm kind of looking at this as far as clusters real estate what am i doing today what can i do tomorrow what's your thought process on 100 yard drills 
Okay, I got that. I mean, and don't get me wrong. I got the sniper's high dot drill up and down. That gives you that target acquisition. You start from the standing. Your rifle's ready to go. Bolt back, mag in, right? On the gun command. Drop down, acquire, fire. 15, 12, 10 seconds, 8 seconds. Last dot is 6 seconds to drop down from the standing, to get behind your rifle, to load that one round forward, push the bolt forward, acquire the trigger, and press the trigger without slapping it. Okay, that's the sniper side dot drill. I already got that. I mean, and, but again, you got to think about it's different if you go to a range where every student gets their own paper target backer like we used to have at Rifles Only. So only your hits are on your backer. But when we're sharing backers, when we're sharing a target, when we don't have a lot of real estate to work with, got to think about that. So that's where my mind's at. Where are we with this 100 yard zero? What are we doing with this kind of stuff? And what do you think is the optimal target to hit? Circles, squares, diamonds, what ki- what size? I mean, one inch is pretty standard, but I'm looking at three quarter. Like three quarter might be better to be that sub minute. Aim small, miss small with a one quarter minute dot. Now, final part on my 100 yard zero stuff. I'm thinking... And I do this, and I've been doing it. I just never really was formal about it. I never thought hard about it. It's just kind of how I am with my OCD and where my brain is, okay? I'm thinking you need to be one quarter left to center. Zero, one quarter left to center. There's a couple reasons for that. Um, It kills all the drifts. You don't have to worry about it anymore. Don't even think about it. They're done. They're gone. Most of us are right-handed shooters, Any errors in slapping the trigger we make are going to pull it to the right. Okay, so we're giving ourselves the bullet width, the bullet width to the left. Okay, finally, you go to a target and you got to do like a KYL on paper or something on paper. I got to shoot dots on paper. I'm not, we don't do a lot of paper anymore um, at matches, but they did. And you used to have to do KYL, which went down to that quarter inch dot. And trying to center up on a quarter inch little circle or trying to center up on a circle and you see people throw them left and right all the time. But what if you caught the edge? What if you aimed in on that right edge at three o'clock? Should put you in the black, right? You know what I mean? If you're inside that right edge and you're right there and you're using the fine aiming point instead of the middle. Now with a triangle or square rather, you're good. You could do that same thing and you can always dial a click over. You know what I mean? But I'm thinking just out of routine, I want to be zero just slightly left to center for my target. And 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 that would be, tradi- you know, standard. So in this, what I did with this kind of little test target that I'm working on, it'll be a three and a half inch square. It'll have four targets on it. Plus, I put in a little one inch measuring bar. So if you're using something like Ballistic X software where it says, give, give us a one-inch reference, you got it. You know, shoot your groups, put your software in there, measure up, do your thing, and you could do it all with one little piece of paper. You got a little one-inch reference measuring bar out of the way, no big deal. You got three, three-quarter-inch uh, targets, and then you got two of them that I have right now with quarter-inch centers. So I got solid, solid, center, center. Four targets, five shots, one box of ammo. 
boom, there's your drill. Slap it up, do a group, do a group, do a group. And it also can become, you know, I, I think like, you know, three targets with five shot groups in each is a good medium. You know, five for five, some people would say. You got to do five five shot group five times and, and the average of those is good. I think you can get away with three. I mean, four is not bad because it's a box of ammo. But if you want to take a mean average of your shooting, you can say, here's one, here's two, here's three, and and do that. And then I have that one circle because I got square, 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 a circle. I use the Sniper's Hide logo and sort of how the arrow in the crosshair is. I have, you know, a square on each part of the crosshair. And then where the arrow points, I have a round circle. Uh, and again, three quarter with a quarter inch dot in the middle. And, and I'm looking at that. Now, I got to shoot it. I got to see about contrast because we've been talking about two contrasting targets, colors. How do you set this up? Grays and blacks and colors and reds and things. And what can you see? What can you not see? Because, I mean, I'm not going to build shoot and see targets. And I have made so many stickers lately with Sticker Giant and all that. Sometimes you can see well and sometimes you can't. Now, personally, when I'm shooting, I don't want to really see my group, because then my mind takes over. Refrigerator hypothesis, right? We go get three shots, they're in one hole. We say, God damn, this is going on the refrigerator. I love it. This is going to be so awesome. My wife's going to pleasure me all night. And boom, next thing you know, shot four goes out because you fidgeted, you moved, you thought about it, and then five is right back in the middle because you don't care no more. Okay, that's your mind screwing you. That's not the gun or the target or anything else. That's you subconsciously a lot of this that we do is subconscious so then what i'm doing is hang on i got it i got a thing going on here and and i just i just spaced out i i I, oh i just i just lost it so anyway so the refrigerator hypothesis you got going on so it's all your mind so i don't want to see really what I'm doing. That's that's that bullet going to sleep theory. People talk about, you know, magnums in this, which is BS. I could show you one whole magnum shots at 100 yards all day. But people say, oh, the bullet's not going to sleep. No, that's you. But then when you can't see it anymore because you're not seeing holes on paper, then you shoot better because the recoil, it's how our brain perceives the recoil through the scope. And when we're in at 100 yards on 25 power and you got a magnum behind you, it's like huge movement. Move the target out to 300 yards, and now you don't see it move as violently. Our brain reacts different to that. So anyway, that's that becomes a question. What can you see? What can you can't see? What can you see? What can you can't see? Then the last thing I'm working on is a thought process in trying to explain the zero process in a different way or to use a target that helps. It's kind of lame and it's kind of like, uh, who's going to do it? But at the same time, I'm still amazed how many people just don't understand the zeroing process or don't say anything about it. You know, it's like they're there, they'll do it, they get away with it, but it seems like they struggle with it. And, and, and they don't want to be the guy to say, yeah, I don't get it. So uh, that's something like, you know, I, I posted a couple pictures of the boards like in the Alaska class. Some of them look really good. Then there's a couple like, you know, out of a 15 person class, there's like four, three to five of them that look like shotguns shot the three inch shoot and see. 
And that's the individual kind of understanding and trying to learn. And I get that. And it's not a negative. It's just, well, he'll chew up a target quicker than the other guy who's who's already accomplished at shooting groups. And while we don't want to shoot groups, it is a necessary evil, right? Because we're going to practice our fundamentals. And it, we want a five-shot group, not one shot five times. Okay, yeah, there is for a tactical shooter a a thought process, and that was the dot drill we did. One round per dot in a dot drill is a one-shot group, right? So that's that one round per dot. But when we're shooting groups, we want a five-shot group and not a bunch of individuals. We want to put together a complete string of fire and not be like, you know, two good, one bad, one good, two bad, you know, that kind of. We don't want it to be random like that. But that's what we see most often. And, and so the, the idea of a process behind it, focusing on the fundamentals, working on our groups there. Then we got to zero our scope, right? So there's that group shooting and then there's that focus on our zero because that's going to say how tight and how well our zero is by how good a group shooter we are. So we got to do that. And, 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 and then there's the diagnosis aspect to shooting groups. Okay, what does... Shooting groups on paper tell us, do we have vertical stringing that might be breathing at different points of the breathing cycle? Are we shooting them down because we're shouldering the rifle and pushing into it when we break the shot? Are we sympathetic squeezing with both hands? You know, are we pulling left, pulling right? Or again, do we, are we canting? You know, when we, when we're pulling the bolt and running that is our bipod loose. Do we have shot one at 12 and then, you know, we start moving across uh, to from 12 to 1230 because we're pulling the bolt and we're not paying attention. There's a lot of things we can learn from our groups at 100. But at the same time, there's a, a lot of things that, or a lot of reasons why we don't want to focus on groups at 100. Because we're not group shooters, really. Tactical shooters aren't group people. One round per target, right? One shot, one kill from the top of the hill, whatever, you know, however that song went. And, and um, so there, there's schools of thought for both. And, and, and that's where I'm at coming into this year. So right now, today, January, first weekend of the month, what am I thinking about? What are we doing at 100 yards? Where is my data and how has my data been established? How good is my data? Do I have dope for different density altitudes in different locations? Can I, you know, where's their temperature effects? Do I have dope for the winter and dope for the summer? What, what's going on? So there's the dope consideration how do I manage my dope? There's the zeroing com- consideration is what's my process for zeroing on top of what is my process for practice at 100 yards, okay? Because th- there is benefit to no win, no, no, you know, no trajectory kind of thing. And so we can take that out of the equation. So it's a necessary evil. We got to do it. My question to you is, What's your method for doing it? And will it translate to groups of people? Is it better, more efficient? I'm looking for better. I'm looking for more efficient. I'm looking at targets, circles, squares, diamonds. What do you prefer? Because I think that's a key element to it. What we actually shoot at matters. There's a lot of stuff out there. All right, guys. Hey, um, head over to the site. Go check it out. We're, we're, we're doing some good stuff there. Honestly, 
I want to say thanks to everybody. There's been really great conversations going on, really, and, and it's it's rapid. You're, I'm making posts, and within minutes, people are are there, and they're going multiple pages, and they're being well thought out. You know, the 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 um the the oh, what's kind of I'm kind of struggling for the word. The mindset, I guess, the the attitude of everybody on the hide right now is, hey, let's make this better. Let's do this better. Yeah, you go in the beer pit and cut up and talk politics. I mean, they're talking politics all day over in the beer pit. But in the other sections, man, there's a whole lot happening. There's a whole lot going on that's solving people's problems, that's helping them become better shooters, that's informing them in ways that haven't been done before. And and really, the site is just kicking much ass in the, in that respect. And that's to the members, man. It, it's not me in there doing it. It's them. It's giving me the drive to want to talk about it more because I'm seeing positive results from the conversations. So let's put more out there. Let's have more. Let's break down more and see. I mean, it's a community, right? What does the community think about this stuff? What does the community think of targets? What does the community think of this? You know, how are we looking at how we're practicing and accomplishing our, our trade or our hobby? You know, what are you doing to make it more fun? What are you doing to learn something more, better, harder, stronger, faster, all these cool things, right? So anyway, that's where my head's at. I want to know where your head's at. Let me know. Go on a sniper's hide. Go in the everyday sniper section. Go check it out. I think you guys will really, really be good with that. Um, uh, Quick kind of house cleaning. Uh, I don't think we scored the, the Podbean app change huge, man, as far as that. It looks like the running. There was like a running podcast that had like 5 million downloads talking about running. So I don't think we we, we placed or podiumed much in the year in review stuff. Uh, um, so anyway, there there's that. And uh, what else? Oh, I had to reinstall. That's what I wanted to mention. I had to reinstall the Podbean app. I was getting stuff like people were saying, hey, responding. I was getting, you got a new comment. You got a new comment. You got a new comment, which thank you for the comments. Then I was going on and nothing was happening. And so I I actually deleted it and reinstalled the Podbean app and it worked. So if you are out there listening, if you do see like a weirdness going on with the Podbean app, I deleted it, reinstalled. I, I here's what I did. I deleted it, restarted my phone, reinstalled it, and it went back to work and normal. Because I've known some people have been saying there's some weirdness going on with the Podbean app, and they're asking me. I have zero control over that stuff, dude. We just upload our content to the website. All this other stuff is part of what we deal with. So I can't help you if you have an individual problem. Now, if you're telling me, hey, the volume don't work or this is this way or that way, hey, there's a, you know, the volume's default to halfway, turn them up. Your cars are sometimes got to turn them up in the cars. You know, that kind of stuff I can help you with. But as far as the app itself, I have no control over that. All right, guys, thanks a lot. Get your comments and questions in. Come on over to Sniper's Hide Forum. Throw some stuff at me that way. Let's talk about this stuff. I mean, that's what we're here it should be a back and forth exchange of information and, and use the app, use the forum and, and, and let's, and let's see what, if we can make this a better, more standardized process. Do we want to do a three by three, a five by five, a five by four, a five by three? What are the things that say, this is a good group? What are we going to do to say, this is a good way to zero? Should we be left to center? 
All these different things come into play when we're talking about that. And the first thing we should talk about is what are we doing at 100 yards? What are we doing to get ourselves in? What are we doing to manage our data? Okay. Next one. I, I got some interviews coming up this week too. Um, so I think you guys are going to be really into that. I was able to grab and talk to two guys that are going to come on this week. Uh, I think you'll be really interested, especially there's going to be some good stuff happening. But welcome to 2020. Thank you guys. We're moving into our third year with the Podbean um, and with the podcast. I, I, I really appreciate it all and what you guys are listening. So no worries. We will be back soon this week with some more stuff and we'll keep you updated. All right. You've been listening to the Everyday Sniper. Thanks a lot, guys.